factories along the Rhine. Anyone with ambition might make themselves a fortune in those heady early industrial days in Schaffhausen, and Johannes Rauschenbach, who started with nothing more than a machine repair shop, then a pin factory supplying the local cotton industry, and finally the world-renowned agricultural machinery factory, became the wealthiest of them all, and one of the richest men in Switzerland. When Jean Rautenbach took over the business with factories at home and abroad, Emma's mother and grandmother took over the running of the house. Grossmutter Barbara lived in rooms upstairs and liked to sit in a fauteuil by the window overlooking the Rhine, reading her gazette with her lognon, wearing a large bonnet with ribbons and surrounded by her collection of dolls, kept in a large old wall bed and which the girls were sometimes allowed to play with. Having started life modestly, Grossmutter Barbara never fully accustomed herself to the great wealth the family came to enjoy. If only you'd remained a mechanic, she used to tell her husband. The two sisters were very different, but they were close and remained so all their lives. Emma could spend hours on her own, reading, writing, thinking. Marguerite was less the thinker, more the sporty, outward-going type and moodier. Both sisters played the piano well, but Marguerite liked to sing too, and play-act, and she swam in the Rhine in all weathers, right into old age. They shared a private tutor before moving up to the local school for girls, and their upbringing was conventional Swiss au bourgeois, instilling the values of a Protestant work ethic, social conformity, and feminine grace and good manners so they knew how to behave when Herr Direktor Rauschenbach and his wife gave one of their grand receptions required of the foremost family of Schaffhausen. Both girls adored their mother, Bertha, who allowed her daughters plenty of freedom. For this, the house zum Rosengarten was perfect, with its large cobbled courtyard, extensive outhouses and the stables where the girls kept their horses, Lori and Seda, looked after by Reaper, the groom, an ex-cavalry officer in the Austro-Hungarian army. If it was raining, there were plenty of toys to play with inside. If it was snowing, they were sledging and ice skating. If it was one of those heatwave summers, there was swimming in the Rhine, and all year round, Reaper took them out riding to villages and castles and other local landmarks. The question of Carl and Emma's first meeting is a moot one. Was it in 1896, when he was still a student, or was it three years later, when he was poised to take his first job, working as a lowly assistant physician at the Burghölzli Asylum, and Emma had just returned from Paris? If it was in 1896, then it was at the Haus zum Rosengarten, and it was an event hardly even remembered by Emma. But if it was in 1899, it was at Ölberg, the Mount of Olives, an ancient property like a small castle, square and thick-walled, with its own medieval chapel, the St. Wolfgang's Kapelle, high on the slopes overlooking Schaffhausen, with a drive so long and steep you could not see from one end to the other. The family had spent every summer there since the girls were small. But by 1899, Jean Rauschenbach had decided to sell the Haus zum Rosengarten and make Ölberg their family home, replacing the beautiful little castle with a Jugendstil mansion a vast stone pile in the heavily ornate style of the time, with turrets and gables and aureoles, high-ceilinged reception rooms 
and a grand stairway leading up to a wide landing with bedrooms and bathrooms off. One entire floor was set aside for Emma and Marguerite, then in their teens, and the whole house was lit by electricity, heated by central heating, and served by a raft of servants inside and out. The architect was Ernst Jung of Winterthur, by chance one of Karl Jung's uncles, who had already renovated the Sonnenburg property next door, which belonged to Emma's landscape architect uncle, Evariste Mertin, who now proceeded to design the far grander gardens at Ölberg. According to his own account, as soon as Karl first set eyes on Emma, in the half-light coming down the grand stairway into the hall, he decided this was the girl he would marry. If it was 1899, then Emma would have been 17, just back from Paris, more self-assured than before, but still shy and retiring, poised on the edge of adolescence.